Hey everybody, this is Chuck Marone with Strong Towns. Welcome back to the Strong Towns podcast. It's been a while, it's been a, a, a couple weeks since we put out a podcast. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, you know, a couple of things I was working on fell through and then um, this thing came up. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. This is, this is a hard uh, podcast to do. It's actually late Sunday night. Um, I didn't want the weekend to end. I didn't want the week to start without sharing this with you, uh, the podcast listeners, uh, because you don't all go to the website. You don't all uh, participate in the, the daily goings on on the website. You, uh, you listen by podcast, and, and that's great. That's great. But um, sometimes you don't get everything that we're working on, and I, I didn't want this week to start and, and you to get left behind. Last week, uh, Strong Towns uh, filed a lawsuit against the Minnesota Board of Engineering uh, licensure. Uh, we filed that lawsuit in, in federal district court. Um, this was the culmination of a, a long process, a process that's been going on really since last July, since July of 2020. Uh, but we, we reached an impasse, and I'm going to explain why and how and, and how we got here. But, but the, the short takeaway is that we are now engaged in a legal action in federal court uh, against the, and let me give you the full name, the Minnesota Board of Architecture, Engineering, Land Surveying, Landscape Architecture, Geoscience, and Interior Design, as well as the, the members of the board that are part of this. Our, our, our case is essentially this, that the board is uh, working to um, take away my First Amendment and, and by proxy, the organization's First Amendment right to freedom of speech and our capacity to speak up, particularly about reform and about reforms that would uh, impact the engineering profession. A and the board is retaliating, joining in a retaliation against strong towns for our advocacy. I, I say this is a hard one because this isn't something I ever wanted to do. This is not something I ever... I ever dreamed we would be doing. I don't want to be in a fight against the profession. I don't want to be in a fight against the licensing board. I don't want to be spending our time as an organization or as a movement on this. But this is where we're at, right? Um, and, and let me be clear right off the top. I, I said I don't want to be fighting a profession. I, I don't want to be fighting a profession. I don't think I am fighting a profession. In fact, I feel like I'm fighting on behalf of a profession against a small group of people who are trying to use the licensing process to attack strong towns, to discredit strong towns, and you know to retaliate against us for things that we have said and that we have done that make a group of engineers, and I'm going to say at this point even a subgroup, a subsection of engineers, uh, look bad. Let me start from the beginning, and uh, you know, uh, this is a this is a convoluted story, and it's going to sound a little bit bizarre because it it is a little bit bizarre. Um, but let me start with this: I'm a licensed engineer. <laughs> I, the way you get a license in the engineering profession is you you get an engineering degree. I got mine from the University of Minnesota in 1995. When you graduate or near graduation, you take something called the Fundamentals of Engineering exam. It's like a really long engineering-based like um, SAT-type exam, although I never did take the SAT, so I, I can't be positive of that. It was a, a really long, brutal exam where they asked you a lot of calc and physics and stuff I hadn't studied for quite a few years. You've got to pass that. I passed that. Then you've got to get your degree, and, and, and then you need to work for four years. They don't call it an apprenticeship, and, and it's really not an apprenticeship. You work as something called an engineer in training, and you do that with a licensed engineer. So in a sense, it's a little bit of an apprenticeship, but you, you basically work within the profession under the uh, supervision of a licensed engineer. As an engineer in training, you're not allowed to sign plans. You're not allowed to do certain things that require a, a full licensed engineer. 
I did that. <laughs> Once you finish that process, then you take the professional engineering exam, the PE exam. Uh, let me tell you, the PE exam, one of the most brutal things I've done. <laughs> it was not fun. Uh, I took the AICP exam a few years after uh, my engineering exam, and I did not study at all. I showed up for the test. I took it. I passed the first time. The biggest challenge I had with the AICP was trying to discern what I thought the answer was and what I thought the APA thought the answer would be because I knew those things would be different in some circumstances. And I'd say, okay, I would answer A, but I think they would answer B. <laughs> um, the PE exam was really hard. I, I studied for six months. And I mean, you hear of like lawyers, uh, I'm studying for the bar. Um, this was kind of like that. And I, I don't know what the bar exam is like. I, I do know, you know, lawyers that study this study a lot. They put a lot of time and effort into this. I studied for six months. And I mean, when I say six months, I mean like four or five nights a week for multiple hours every night, uh, going through doing practice exams, studying different parts. This was a really tough test. I passed this one too. And once you pass both of those tests and then pay a fee, you are in Minnesota, a, a licensed engineer. If I wanted to go practice in a different state, I'd have to get a license in that state. Usually there's some like reciprocity. I don't have to retake the test and all that. Um, I've never tried to do that, so I don't know all the details, but basically I'm licensed in the state of Minnesota. At this point, uh, you keep your license by paying a fee every two years. It expires at the end of June and you, you pay a fee. Uh, over time, there became a requirement for continuing education. And so that has kind of changed and evolved in the 20 plus years since I, I first got my license. But Basically, you have to have 24 uh, credits, continuing education credits, over a two-year period of time. So, you know, roughly 12 a year or 24 every two years. Uh, some of those have to be in ethics. Uh, there's, you know, I've, I've always counted some overlap with my, with my planning when I was at AICP. I, I, I gave up my AICP a few years ago. Uh, we don't need to talk about that now. But I kept my PE. And every other year, I paid my fee and, and took my continuing ed credits and, and kind of kept myself a licensed engineer. Now, let's be clear. I used to run my own planning and engineering firm. Uh, I, I, I worked for an engineering firm right out of school. Once I got my own license, I went back to graduate school, got a planning degree. I wound up starting my own firm. Uh, I ran that until I started Strong Towns. I started Strong Towns. I started writing in 2008. I started the organization with a couple friends of mine in 2009. Uh, I phased out my engineering planning practice. I actually sold half of it to one of my partners, um, one of the guys who helped found Strong Towns. He actually was with me when we founded this. I continued on with Strong Towns. He continued on with Community Growth Institute. Uh, I sold my half to him. The other half, I had a friend who worked it, and then when he was ready to move on, we, we shut it down and phased it out. That was in 2012. Um, I think it's arguable whether I was practicing engineering before 2012. I didn't really do any engineering. I haven't signed a set of plans since 2000. So there was a period of time between 2000 and 2012 where I was consulting and I was consulting as an engineer, but I, I didn't do a lot of the standard engineering work. I did a little bit of studies and a few things. And I've said I was practicing engineering, but since 2012, I've not been practicing engineering. I'm a writer. I'm an author. Uh, at Strong Towns, I don't do any consulting work. We don't do any of, of that kind of stuff. But I've maintained my license because, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to have it. I, I, I earned it. It was really difficult to earn, and I, I don't want to give it up. I, I think when I started Strong Towns, I, I maintained my license because, uh, you know, I, I didn't know if this was going to work. You know, I, I didn't know, you know, I, I was kind of getting pulled in this, this direction. I had this calling to, to do this and I didn't know what was going to happen. And so I, you know, I kept my license kind of almost as a fallback, right? Like, uh, if this, this thing doesn't work out, I, I have this license that I earned. I'm, I'm not going to give it up. I'm going to continue to, uh, to use it over time. It's become less and less of an issue, but I've maintained it because it's important to me, you know, I, I, I earned it. I am a licensed engineer. I am a professional engineer 
and uh, I maintain my license. I keep my continuing education credits, and I do all this stuff to, to maintain my license. My license hangs on the bulletin board in my office. I've got it sitting, you know, I, not at my desk, but but up the wall. Actually, I'm I'm in the recording studio right now, and it's in the bulletin board in here. I can see it across the across the hall. Um, but I never use it. In fact, I forgot my number. It's four zero one four two, but I, I I forgot what it was because I I haven't like I said I haven't signed anything as a professional engineer since two thousand. It's been over 20 years, over two decades now, since I've actually used that number in any way. In 2016, in June, I renewed my license. Um, the next month, uh, my family and I moved to a, a different house. Uh, we moved, many of you have been here for a while, remember this, that we moved from the cul-de-sac in the five acre lot out in the middle of the woods that my wife and I lived in and, and moved into in 1996. Uh, we moved from there into the, the heart of the downtown here in Brainerd. And, and we now live in one of the core neighborhoods in the city. We did that in July of 2016, right after my license uh, was renewed. At the end of that two year period of time, um, I believed that I, had renewed my license. Um, I fully intended to renew my license. I had gotten my continuing ed credits. I'd done everything that I was supposed to do. Um, I will say I'm a busy guy. Paperwork is not my forte. I don't use my engineering license. Like I said, it's, it's not something that I refer to regularly. And we moved places and, and I didn't get any like notice that said, hey, your license needs to be updated. And I didn't apparently uh, renew my license. And I say apparently, uh, I'm going to say that I didn't renew my license. Uh, for a while there, I, I thought, no, I did. I swear I remember. I can't find any record of having done it, and I'm going to go with what the board has said, which is that I didn't renew my license at the end of 20, or in 2018 when I was supposed to. A while after that, I found out that I hadn't renewed my license. Um, Michelle Erford here in the office actually uh, needed to look up, someone asked my license number and she didn't know. And instead of bugging me, uh, she went and looked it up and she sent me a Slack message and said, Hey, do you know your license is expired? And, uh, I, I had to go back and dig up this message because I had to send it to the board. I said, no, it, it hasn't expired. <laughs> you're okay. You, I'm sorry, Michelle, you're wrong. It hasn't expired. And she's like, yeah, dude, like I'm not, <laughs> it's expired. Uh, I went and looked and oh my gosh, it was expired. Um, this happens from time to time. In fact, the licensing board has a process that's set up in state statute. If you're late renewing your license, there's a process you go through. Uh, you fill out a form, you send it in, you pay an after the fact fee. Um, I did all that because I wanted to keep my license and the board issued me um, my license. Uh, of course they did because I'm fully qualified. There was no reason for them not to issue me a license. I've since renewed my license. So I've extended it. I'm, I'm now uh, licensed through June of 2022. So I have a current license, but I had a gap in there when I was not licensed. Um, this gap is what is causing all the grief right now today. And, and this is where this is going to get a, a little bit bizarre. I'm going to skip back. I'm going to, I'm going to go back in time a little bit in 2015. An engineer filed a complaint against me. Um, this was a, a, a guy who was affiliated with Move MN, which is one of the advocacy groups here in Minnesota that lobbies the state legislature for transportation funding. He uh, was also a fellow with the American Society of Civil Engineers. As many of you know, I've called the American Society of Civil Engineers like part of the infrastructure cult. Uh, I've been very critical of them as an organization. I, I do not care for uh, their report card, their lobbying, their advocacy, their framing of issues as being one of needing to give engineers more money and more power uh, without any accountability to what has been done. I've, I've been very critical of these organizations. And I had written some things that this engineer back in 2015 did not like. He filed a complaint with me with the Board of Licensure. And, and let me just walk you through this process. 
anybody, any of you listening here today can file a complaint with the Board of Licensure in the state of Minnesota against any engineer licensed in the state of Minnesota. This guy filled out a complaint. He sent them copies of my articles and he said, these articles uh, represent a, a violation of state law. And let me actually read this law to you. It's, it has a little, uh, I only have a little quote of it. It's Minnesota Rule 1805.0200. It says, among other things, a licensee shall avoid any act which may diminish public confidence in the profession. And this guy was saying that my writing, which was critical of some engineers in the profession and some of their actions, uh, was diminishing public confidence in the profession and, and, uh, and, and constituted a violation of state law. Uh, the board is required to look into all these complaints. Uh, I respect them. I respect that process. I respect what they have to do. Um, they looked into that complaint and they ultimately found that there was nothing there that warranted them taking any action. Um, they made a finding of no violation, but they did notify me in writing that they had this complaint and they were putting it in their archives and, you know, should further evidence warrant, we will reopen this investigation. So there's kind of that like hanging over my head, right? Um, but it seemed like, you know, the board was acting in good faith. They recognized what this was. It was someone kind of abusing the violation process to attack me and come after me. I'm not a practicing engineer. I hadn't done anything, you know, from an engineering standpoint that they actually regulate. I hadn't signed any plans. I hadn't done any uh, you know, types of things like that, that they would review. And so, you know, it was just my speech. It was just what I was writing, what I was saying. And they said, you know, no violation here. If you go on the board's website, you can see all of the places where they have had violations and, and you'll see some pretty aggressive things on there. Um, instances where, you know, people who are not licensed, and are not qualified to be engineers or, or architects or what have you, uh, that claim that they are and represent to people that they are, they, they come down on that really hard. Um, you also see instances where people have done things that are unethical or immoral. Um, there's one, and, and I actually had a little bit of inside information on this that uh, you know maybe changes this a little bit, but it was interesting to me because there's one in there where a engineer in private practice had gone in to work for a public entity, was still an owner in that private firm, uh, used his position in the public entity to send work to that firm. Uh, that person was like really, really taken to task, made to pay some huge fines and, you know, things like that. The, 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 the profession policing itself. And, and I think in general, when I look through those cases, um, for the most part, they make sense to me, right? Like this is, this is a process, a complaint process that, you know, you can have some faith in. And, and, and I certainly did before this whole process have some faith in, in that system. Uh, you know, there needs to be somebody who polices the profession and make sure that engineers are, you know, acting ethically, are looking out for the public, health, safety, and welfare, are not doing things in the engineering practice that are, 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 you know, going to endanger people's lives, that type of thing. So another engineer, not the same one as the first one, another engineer, this guy's an engineer from South Dakota. He, he read an article of mine that he did not care for. It was an article titled four ways, which engineers thwart the public will or something like that. It, it went through a letter that, an engineer in Springfield, uh, Massachusetts sent to council members who were pushing for a crossing uh, signal at a place where people had been killed. And, and this engineer had written back and, and I dissected the letter and pointed out ways that he was working against the, the will of the, the public, the will of, of the elected representatives of the people. He was basically, you know, thwarting their desires to do something. And I, I went through that. I analyzed it. And, and this engineer from South Dakota did, did not like that. And so he, you know, and, and this is in his complaint, he looked me up. He researched me. And in researching me, he found that I had this lapse in licensure. Um, he filed a complaint with the board, uh, the Minnesota Board of Architecture, Engineering, da 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 
He filed a, a complaint with the board and his complaint, uh, you know, alleged that I had uh, abused my station uh, by claiming to be a professional engineer when in fact I did not have a license. My license had lapsed and I was not uh, an engineer. Um, let me actually find what he said because it, 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 it really is kind of, uh, when, when my attorney read this, he's like, oh my gosh, this guy's kind of a jerk. I'm like, yeah, no doubt. Um, I actually called him and talked to him and he, he was not a very nice guy. Um, he says here that he, uh, he, here's a quote from the complaint. Mr. Marone talks about being a policy expert, the type that reads law and ordinances. He must have known that describing himself as a professional engineer was illegal. Um, he then later on goes on and asks the board uh, to make an example out of me and to, quote, send a clear message that frauds of this sort will not be tolerated. So this is clearly a guy who is, and I'm going to use the word uh, abusing, uh, abusing the complaint process to essentially try and, and come after me for things that I have written that he did not like. You know, I, I, let me simplify that down. Uh, my speech, things that I have said, you know, as, a, as an individual, as an American, uh, he does not like that. And so he is using this complaint process because I'm a licensed engineer uh, to come after me. I assumed that the board would do nothing with this. And in fact, when I was notified of it, it was well after I had renewed my license and, you know, they had given me a license and everything was fine and I was kind of going on. And then I got this complaint just randomly in the mail that said, hey, uh, you know, we received this complaint from this guy. Um, here's what he's alleging. Uh, you know, what say you? And, and basically the board asked me like, hey, have you signed any plans? Have you worked on any projects? Uh, have you done any engineering? And then, you know, what did you do when you found that you were not licensed? Like, how did you take care of this? And I, in, in very good faith, and I think assuming good faith on behalf of the board, but not good faith on behalf of this person making the complaint, I responded to the board. I responded and said, look, in specific to your, to your uh, concerns, I've not been practicing engineering. I've not, you know, worked on any documents. I've not worked on any projects. I've not signed anything. I've, I've not done any plans. I've, I've not done anything that you've asked about in engineering. In fact, I've done absolutely nothing that would constitute the practice of engineering. Nothing, zero. Um, so don't, you know, I realize that you need to ask this question. And as a licensed professional, I'm happy to answer it in that capacity. Uh, I have done nothing that would fall under your regulation. Like I, I've done nothing. Um, and then I went through and detailed like what I did. And this is where I sent the Slack messages from Michelle to them. I said, look, the day I found out that I wasn't licensed, my, my licensure was lapse was inadvertent. I didn't intend it. Clearly I didn't intend it because the day I found out, uh, I took steps to apply. I mean, I actually renewed my license that very day. I sent them the Slack messages with the exact dates uh, when I found out. And then I sent them copies of the checks and the forms, which I had made copies of before I sent out, that were dated the exact same day. Again, you know, six weeks, eight weeks earlier. Uh, so like there was no backdating, like they had all this stuff in their possession too. Um, I, I sent them all this and said, look, you know, when I found out, I rectified it immediately. Here's the process I went through. I'm being very forthright with you. I haven't done any engineering. I assume that that would be the end of it. And in fact, this was the end of July, 2020. August goes by, September, October. I don't hear anything from them. All of a sudden, in early November, I get this letter from them. And it's bizarre. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. It says, you know, we have found that you are in violation of state laws, um, specifically because you claim to be a licensed engineer when you actually weren't a licensed engineer. And because of that, we are going to censure you, uh, reprimand you, um, fine you $1,500, 
and require you to take ethics courses. And we are going to, in our formal findings, uh, state that you have been dishonest, that you have committed fraud, and that you have misrepresented yourself to the people of Minnesota in your actions. Like I, like, I looked at that and I said, well, wait a sec. <laughs> wait, like some, some, something got crossed up here. Like some, like they mixed up my case with somebody else's case. Something weird happened here. Like there's no way that they could look at these facts and conclude this in this way. And in fact, I went through and looked at other board cases and yeah, there's some places where they censured people, but my gosh, when they censured people, these people were doing like horrible things, you know, they, at the very worst, at the very worst, I didn't know my license had lapsed. And so I did not remove the term professional engineer from my bio, uh, you know, and so it was in there when I went and, you know, at, at the end of my articles, when you click on my name, you get my bio. I, I, at the very worst, I did not realize my license had lapped. And so I did not remove professional engineer from my bio. Uh, this is, this is, you know, crazy because they have people who actually, uh, you know, were not licensed or, you know, didn't have any credentials, could not have gotten licensed if they wanted to, who were out calling themselves, you know, licensed engineers, licensed architects, what have you. Um, they didn't get censured. Like there was nothing, it, it was, it was one of these things where I read this and having read the other cases as a wait, wait a second, like what, what is going on here? And so again, assuming good faith on behalf of this board, I emailed them back and I said, like, you got something wrong here. You know, you're, you're, you're saying that I was committed fraud. I mean, I, that's a really, really serious charge. You want to censure me? Like, what did I do? I don't even, I don't even do anything that you all have the capacity to regulate. Like, I'm not even practicing engineering in any way. And so I, I emailed them back and, and, you know, I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to agree to this. This is crazy. Um, here's some facts. Like I, I wrote my own set of findings of facts. Like here's the facts of what actually happened. And if you look at these facts and you look at like your, uh, you know, the state statutes as they apply to you, the board, not only do you, you have nothing that you regulate me on, but I haven't, I haven't broken any of your rules. Like, I, I don't know what you are talking about. They got back to me shortly after that and they actually upped their game. Uh, you know, they, they said, here's all the stuff that we said before, and now we're coming after you for being dishonest with us too. It was at that point that I said, okay, like something's broken here. Um, I am not communicating with this board in a way that is helping me, is helping them reach a good decision. Uh, I would like to think that I'm a professional and I would like to think that they are professionals, but, but something is amiss here. Something is not uh, connecting. And so at that point, I went and hired an attorney. Uh, I was able to find an attorney that um, had worked with the board before. She'd actually been on the board. Uh, she knew them well. She knew their process as well. She was advising me on, on you know, what, what we should do. Uh, and, and basically, I got involved with her and our agreement that we had as attorney and client was that I would continue to work in good faith with the board to try to work this out, to try to resolve this. There was a part of me, and I'll, I'll say this, you know, there's a part of our board, our organization. You know, I have, I have bosses here at Strong Towns. I have people that I answer to. Uh, we are a nonprofit and we have an independent board and they are my bosses and they can fire me tomorrow if they want or they can, you know, change whatever they want. Uh, this is... This is not my organization. This is their organization. Um, they were mad, like really mad. And, you know, part of them was ready to fight from day one. Like, let's, if this is the way that these guys want to be, you know, the quote I remember is let's take it to 11. Like, let's, you know, turn up, turn up, like turn up the pressure. Like they cannot do this. Uh, no way, no how. And I remember having this conversation last December where like, okay, I get it. I, you know, I'll say it this way. 
I'm a Minnesotan. I, I don't like to fight. I, I'm not a, you know, I, I don't want to punch someone in the, in the mouth when I can talk to them and work it out. It's just me. It's the way I am. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a feisty person and I'll disagree with people and I'll argue with people, but I don't like to just fight, you know, it's just kind of dumb. And so we agreed and, and the board was on board with this. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to paint them in a, in a different light, but we were all on board that what we were going to do is we were going to try to work this out, work this out as professionals, work this out amicably. We were still proceeding under the kind of guise of the notion that this was just a misunderstanding. Uh, the board, for whatever reason, was, was viewing this in a strange way, and, and we just needed to be cordial, and, and we could work this whole thing out. Our new attorney took that approach, and she went through and she researched other cases that had come in front of the board and other places where they had made decisions. And she, she pointed out to the board how my case was very unique. They had not had another case where the person held a license but was not practicing in any way. Uh, you know, um, She went and pointed out how the sanctions that they were trying to impose on me were very, very disproportionate compared to anything that anyone else had done. Uh, that was even similar. She she pointed out places where people had done things that were truly egregious, where they hadn't been censured, they hadn't had findings of fraud and and dishonesty and all this stuff. Um, and she's like, you know, uh, let's uh, let's resolve this. Like there, there there really should not be any type of sanction here or even any type of order. The board has within their rights to just say there's no violation here and move on. And clearly that's what should happen. She also, as part of this response asked for a meeting with the board and we were able to uh, sit down with the complaint committee. And I say, sit down. We did this by, it wasn't zoom. It was like WebEx or go to meeting or something. I don't know. Um, we had a, a, a video conference with them. And this is where I started to realize that they weren't acting in good faith. Um, this is where I, started to become cynical. Uh, we had a meeting with them. We got on, all of us. They let me do a little introduction. I kind of walked them through the process. I thanked them for their time and their service and, and, and all that and said, you know, I'm, I would like to try to work this out. My attorney, uh, she spoke very eloquently. She explained everything. And then uh, the board said, the it was a, a committee of the board, a violation committee. Um, we have some questions then. The first guy, who's the chair, just started to talk. And you would have thought from his, uh, the things that he was saying that, you know, I had, uh, you know, been like the catch me if you can con man out trying to, uh, you know, um, con people and, um, you know, commit all kinds of fraud by claiming some licensure that I, I didn't have. Um, you would have thought that instead of uh, having my license lapse and, and not taking something out of my bio, that I had actually gone in fully aware that I didn't have a license and inserted into my bio things that were not true. Um, it, it was it was it was kind of crazy. It, it was it was a little bit. I, I was listening to this going. This guy can't really be saying this. And he kept going on and on and on. And finally, one of the staff like breaks in and says, hey, um, do you actually have a question? And at one point he starts saying, you know, like Marone, I've, I've, you know, I've listened to you. I've heard your stuff on the American conservative and uh, your talks at Google. And it, it, it was very weird because it was apparent that what was being reacted to here uh, was not anything with my status or anything with what I was doing. But the way this person was interpreting me or perceiving me vis-a-vis -vis my speech and my advocacy at Strong Towns. Another person then asked a question, another member of the, the violation committee. And it got to him and he said, oh, I, I haven't got a question. And then he started talking. He also did not have a question. He just went on and, and made a statement. His statement was even a bit more bizarre. His statement was along the lines of, uh, I'm concerned that the public health, safety, and welfare is in jeopardy because if people listen to you when you gave a talk and believe you were licensed, they might think that what you said is legitimate and that they should listen to you. In other words, uh, he was concerned that people might believe me, that, that my speech, which is reform-minded and, you know, 
uh, again, not against engineers, but certainly challenging to many engineers, particularly those that are kind of deeply embedded in the status quo, that, that my speech might be challenging to them, or that my speech might be believed by, by, by others. My speech that is challenging to them might be believed by others. I, 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 I remember listening to this saying, you know, thinking in my head, like, so my believability is basically not based on my, uh, you know, education, my experience, my licensure, my passing the tests, my, my continuing ed credits, um, my, uh, you know, any, it, it, it's just based on whether my license had lapsed or not. In other words, if my license laps and then I go 24 hours and then I renew during that 24 hours, I'm, I'm not qualified to have thoughts or to speak in any way. That, that's a ridiculous position. And, and when you think it through and when you start to look at it, you, you recognize, again, it, it's, it's not that they're upset with what, I, what happened because if they were, that would be really silly. That would be really ridiculous. It wouldn't account for fraud and dishonesty and misrepresentation, any of this stuff. They're upset about the things that I'm actually saying. A third guy then actually had a question. It was his turn to speak, and he asked me a question. He said, so is it your position that anyone with a podcast could just claim to be a licensed engineer, uh, and that would be just fine? It is an interesting question, because in the context of me, it's a ridiculous assertion, right? Um, you know, like... It, it, if anyone, like, let's say my daughter starts a podcast and she's a high school student and she says, I'm a, I'm a professional engineer. I'm a licensed engineer. I'm a professional engineer. And she does a podcast and says that as part of her podcast. Well, first of all, you could look up on the board page, which, which is public and see that she's not right. That like, that's not a hard thing to verify or not. So it's, it, you know, that bit of lie would not get her very far. But the difference between my daughter and me is that I, by claiming to be a licensed engineer, actually have an engineering degree, have taken all the tests, have years of experience, have maintained a license for many years, had an inadvertent lapse in licensure, which I addressed and got my license back again, and now I'm fully licensed. So the difference between the two of us making that claim is actually absurd. But again, this gets to the point. The point is not... Uh, you know, whether I was practicing engineering or not, not whether I was engaging in anything that impacted the public health, safety, and welfare in terms of signing plans or putting together uh, specifications or overseeing construction projects or anything like that. The concern is what I was saying, what was coming out of my mouth, the speech that I was making, the advocacy that Strong Towns does. After this meeting, uh, the board got back to us uh, they sent a new uh, order um, for me to sign. When they send these orders, they're like, here's what we're proposing, and we want you to agree with this. And if you don't, uh, we're going to take you to this hearing in front of a judge, and, and bad things will happen. And so the new order uh, reduced some of the things. It got rid of the censure. It got rid of um, the fine, went from $1,500 to $500. But it kept... And this is the important thing. It kept the dishonesty. It kept the uh, Marone misled the public. He committed, he made false statements. It, it kept all the slanderous stuff, right? The stuff that would really like eat at your character. Not only that, it put together this, this set of findings that made it look like the board had received this complaint and then I was somehow made aware of the complaint and then I renewed in other words, I was very happy to like not be a licensed engineer and flout that fact and pretend that I had qualifications that I didn't until I found out there was a complaint and then I rectified it. And that's not at all what happened. That's not at all what the facts are. So again, trying to resolve this and, and in this spirit of, I just want this to be done. I, I, am, I am, for whatever reason, these people have dug in and let's just get this over with. Let's just get this done. I asked my attorney and, and my board was not happy about this. Let's just be clear. Uh, the board was not keen on this, but I, I said to the attorney, here's what I would like to do. 
I would like to tell them that I will pay the $500 fine if that's important to them. If they feel like they've got a complaint and they've got to pin something on Marone, I'll pay the $500 fine. I will accept a reprimand. Okay. I, I think both of these are wrong and I don't think I should do, but, but I will do that to resolve this. Here's what I'm asking in return. I want the findings of fact to reflect what actually happened. I want them to show that I of my own volition discovered that my license had lapsed and I took it upon myself to get my license renewed before they ever contacted me. And I want the references to uh, fraud, dishonesty, misrepresentation. I want those, that, those adjectives removed from their thing and just say Marone's license lapsed. He had a period of time where he referred to himself as a professional engineer. Uh, and then he got his license back again. And so I'll pay a reprimand, basically, uh, I'll accept a reprimand and pay a fine because there was a period of time where my license was lapsed. Again, I think that's ridiculous. And I think that that is obscene. And I think the fact that, uh, you know, the board would put me in a position where I would agree to that is really a sad statement on, on, on them and what they do. And, and I don't think constitutional at all. I don't think that fits in the spirit of the law or the letter of the law in Minnesota, let alone, you know, my right to free speech, my guarantee of speech. But I agreed to that because I wanted to resolve this thing. And here's what I think is most telling. They said no. They rejected all of that. They would not change the findings. They insisted on findings uh, that were corrupt, that, 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 that put forth a process that didn't actually happen, that, that had a distorted timeline that made it look like I had done something nefarious when I hadn't. They also insisted on the findings of uh, dishonesty and misrepresentation and fraudulent statements. They, they insisted on all of that, that that be part of the order. And when we refused, they said, if, if, if we do refuse, they are going to basically issue this order. And so it would become force of law. They would, they would go to a judge and this would be the argument that they would make with the judge. The board can act unilaterally and, and basically make this finding. And so here we are. We're, we're, we're pushed into a corner, essentially. Tried to work with them. But at this point, what is the recourse? I've got a book coming out in September. The book is called Confessions of a Recovering Engineer. The subtitle is A Strong Town's Approach to Transportation. It's 13 chapters. Each chapter goes through one aspect of transportation engineering and, and, and basically tells a narrative that completely contradicts the current standard engineering approach, whether it's approach to safety or congestion, forgiving design or warrants, intersection design, transportation finance. I go through and I, 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 I tell a completely different narrative from the one that is kind of the standard uh, approach of today's engineering profession. Let me be clear. There's a lot of engineers that are looking forward to this book. There are a lot, it's, it's not just advocates, it's not just people out there who want to see reform and change, it's not just mayors and city council members, there's a lot of engineers that want this book in publication, so they can point to this and say, look, this is the approach that we're going to follow. There are a lot of people who are excited about these ideas being put in one, you know, I've written a lot of this stuff on our website so you can find it. It's not hard to, 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 to find if you'd start to look, if you've got a topic you're interested in. But the idea of having this in this book published by Wiley and Sons uh, out there in print gives it a certain level of, in a sense, credibility. The, the speech, it gives it a certain uh, level of credibility. I can picture the situation where the city council member says, hey, I would like to do this differently. And the person resisting that, whether it's an engineer, whether it's someone else, say, yeah, the guy you're quoting, the state of Minnesota found that he was a fraud. I can see uh, city council members wanting to do something different. And I can see the, the person who's resisting that say, yeah, yeah, you know that guy that you're, uh, you're quoting there, that book? Um, the state of Minnesota found that he was dishonest. 
There's a formal thing there. Go look it up on a website. I, I can see the person pushing for reform who, you know, wants something that is going to save lives and, and make a city uh, save them money and make them more prosperous. I, I can see the person pushing for this. And then I can see uh, someone else who's resisting that reform saying, uh, you know what? Uh, sure, all well and good, but you're quoting from a book and, and the guy that wrote that book uh, the state of Minnesota found in this order, and you can go on their website and look it up, that he misrepresented himself to the public. This whole thing is nothing but an attempt to discredit me, to discredit Strong Towns and the Strong Towns movement, to discredit reform. It's being done by a small group of engineers, and for whatever reason, the licensing board has joined this group in wanting to discredit us. I really can't explain this because really nothing that I do and nothing that I have done falls under their jurisdiction. This is what our case is in federal court. Our case in federal court basically says they have the right to regulate people who use the term professional engineer in the practice of engineering. But outside of the practice of engineering, they have no right to regulate speech. They have no right to regulate someone who is merely expressing their opinions, their insights, their observations on a blog, on a website, on a podcast, in public speeches. And they do not. The U.S. Constitution, the First Amendment, gives me that right to speak to you right now, right here in this way, whether I am licensed or whether I am not licensed, I have the right to speak and so does every other licensed professional. And the licensing board can't regulate that. They can regulate me and I will give you that all day if I am practicing engineering. If I am out writing plans and specifications, if I am out you know, uh, signing things, if I am out doing consulting work with cities, overseeing projects, they have every right to regulate me but they cannot stifle my speech. They cannot say, just because I'm licensed, I can't talk, I can't say things. That I have to be subjected to their oversight. If this seems bizarre to you, and if I've laid this out in a way that, that, that is kind of bizarre, it feels bizarre to me. I mean, I think if you took the darkest view of my actions, you would say that here's a guy who, you know, admittedly is, 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 is not very good at paperwork. And let me just say, I'm really busy. I have used all kinds of reminders. I've got a team here and a staff who does a lot of the detail work to me. I'm kind of a big picture person. I like to go for walks. I like to do a lot of thinking, uh, you know, uh, this license is important, and I would agree that if I was practicing engineering, I would have had it like triple circled on my calendar when it expired. I'm not practicing. It's not something I think about day in and day out. I don't reference my license, and my license expired. If you're going to take the most evil, nefarious view of me, you would say that I'm a little bit sloppy. I don't agree with that view, but if you were going to take the, the most evil view of me, you would say I was a little bit sloppy. I didn't renew my license on time. But I certainly did not go into my bio after forgetting to renew my license and added language saying I was licensed when I knew that I wasn't. That, that's absurd, and no one can assert that in any way. So what you have to believe is if, if you are looking at me in the worst possible way, what you have to believe is that I was sloppy, didn't renew my license on time. And then when I found out that my license had lapsed, I immediately renewed it. While getting all my continuing head credits and, and, and taking care of all the things that I would need to do if I wanted to or if I assumed that I was licensed. Where you get intent to mislead people out of that, where you get fraud out of that, where you get dishonesty out of that, is only if you are coming after us, you are coming after Strong Towns, you are part of a group that doesn't like what we are saying and is trying to discredit this organization, this movement, and the stuff that we are doing. 
our lawsuit in federal court names not only the licensing board, but all the individual members that are part of this. And quite frankly, it is those individual members, not the person making the complaint. Like, look, I, I totally get it. People are jerks and they're going to use, you know, if there's some disgruntled engineer out there who doesn't like me, who, you know, is going to make a personal attack on me with the board, that's distasteful. That's underhanded. That's plain dirty. That's gross, right? I would never stoop to that. Is it just disgusting? But there's people out there who are going to do that. There's, you know, thousands of licensed engineers. There's going to be a bad seed out there. Like, I get that. And I, I accept that. And I don't hold the board and the process responsible for that bad seed. But this is not that. This is a group of people whose job is to oversee the public health safety welfare in terms of licensing. They have looked at this case for almost a year now. They have looked at this case and they've made a determination without any basis at all that I'm a fraud, that I'm dishonest, that I've misrepresented myself to the public. And there's only one reason why they would do such a thing. It's not the facts. It's not anything that has been said or presented. I don't even fall under their purview because I am not practicing in any way and no one has even suggested that I am. The only reason that they are doing this is in retaliation for the things that I've said, is to discredit the Strong Towns movement, is to stifle our speech. And so we have two counts that we put in our federal lawsuit. The first account, uh, Mr. Marone's civil rights under uh, 42 USC 1983, uh, violating Mr. Marone's First Amendment right to free speech. Here's what uh, my attorney wrote. Uh, the board's threat to sanction Mr. Marone under Minnesota Statute 362 through Minnesota Statute, uh, I'm sorry, 326.02 through 326.111 based on Mr. Marone referring to himself as a professional engineer in conjunction with Mr. Marone's public policy work violates the First Amendment's free speech guarantee. The second count is that the board's enforcement action is retaliation against Mr. Marone for protected speech. And again, here's, here's what my attorney wrote. I'm going to be skipping down to number 60 here in the complaint. The board threatening to sanction and fine Mr. Marone as retaliation for Mr. Marone exercising his First Amendment rights to free speech, free association, and petitioning the government. Mr. Marone is entitled to a declaratory judgment and injunction against the defendants. Here's what we're hoping. We're hoping that they drop this, end this. I, I, we're hoping that at this point, the board looks at this. And at, at this point, they have to get the attorney general's office involved and, and, and all this stuff. My hope is that uh, when this reaches like sunshine, the light of day, that this board looks at this and says, what are we doing? What, what is going on here? Why is this happening? And they drop it. It goes away because it never should have gotten to this point in the first place. You know, all of this stuff is secret. All along here, I've been wanting to release things that the board has sent us. I've got a copy of the video of the meeting that we had. I wanted to make that public. My attorney was saying, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. This is a private thing. Uh, data practices don't allow you. Minnesota law has uh, data practices. They're supposed to protect the person, me, who is, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the basis of an inquiry. You know, if you file uh, inquiries against people and there's an investigation, the data practices are supposed to protect that person from essentially being slandered just by having violations against them, right? But the perverse thing is that in a case like mine, it actually meant, according to my attorney, that I could not release the information. And so this board could proceed, in a sense, shrouded in secrecy without any of the details of this being deliberated in the public in any way. What the federal lawsuit does is open all that up. And so now we put on our website not only our complaint, but all the correspondence, all the back and forth, all the exhibits, all the stuff, so that everyone can see today what this board has been doing, what they have been alleging, what our correspondence back and forth has been, what they have done. No more hiding in secret. My hope 
is that now that this is out in the public, now that this is out in the open, this will go away. That the licensing board will have every impetus to do what they should have done last summer, which is to say, there's no violation here. There's nothing here to contest. And this thing is done over. We're putting in a file and we're shutting the file. That's what should have happened last summer. That's what should happen right now. The sad thing is this costs us a ton of money. Uh, and, and, and depending on where this is going to go, it's going to take a lot more. And not only that, we have this process right now that we're going through. We've been planning for this book release for a long time. And we have kind of uh, this summer planned out of things that we're doing. Uh, I've got guests lined up on the podcast. I've spent the last two weeks working on this. And so you haven't gotten a podcast the last couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm behind on a whole bunch of things because this has been a major, major distraction to our work. My hope is that we can get this behind us quickly. We can, you know, fill up our coffers again uh, and stop spending money on attorneys, uh, which is not mission focused and mission oriented. And we can get back to doing the stuff that we do. I want to get our team back on track. I want to get myself back on track. I want to get our movement on track so that we are focused on uh, this message of reform. Going to kick off a book tour this fall. We've already got uh, somewhere around 100 people that have signed up or 100 different communities that have signed up uh, to be part of this book tour. It's going to extend into 2022 for sure. We're lining up those dates now. Uh, we've got a full content calendar for the entire summer. I've got a long list of people I'm interviewing on the podcast. I got work to do. We got to get back to work. And so I'm going to come here today. I... Boy, it's, it's already switched over. Nope, we're three minutes to midnight right now. <laughs> uh, it is late tonight. Um, I, I, I didn't want this week to start, and I didn't want this to be on our website without our podcast listeners getting this too, because you've had a couple of weeks where you haven't got anything from me. I want you to get this now tonight. I want you to know what's going on. I want you to hear it from me firsthand. And I want you to know that we're going to fight this. We're not going to give in. We're not going to let them bully us. We're not going to let them discredit this movement or push us around. And, and if you are an engineer, if you are someone with a license, we're doing this for you too. Because you have a right to speak up. You have a right to push for reform. You have a right to step out from what is standard industry practice to do what you know is the right thing to do. You should not be retaliated against for your beliefs. You should not be retaliated against for your opinions, particularly your opinions as they relate to your job. So I'm going to go get back to work. Uh -huh. I'm going to get this uploaded and filed, and then I got a few more things that to do here tonight, and then I'm going to be back in early tomorrow morning, and we're going to hit this thing hard. Uh, we're not going away, and we're not going to let them discredit us, and we're not going to let them push us around. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thank, thanks for all you do. You know, I, I know you guys got my back, right? I've known that from day one. Uh, you know, I can take the heat. Uh, this is annoying. It's, it's, it's made me feel bad, but I can take it, right? I, I shared something earlier this year on Facebook just to my friends, and I said I just I had a bad day. It was the day that I met with the licensing board. I just I felt bad. This is not, you know... I'm a little idealistic at times. This is not what I thought this board was was like. This is not the people that I pictured on this board. I, I, I pictured people, quite frankly, who who cared more about the engineering profession and and who uh, were bigger minded and 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 really I think more ethical than what I witnessed that day. And you know what happened? All my friends joined in. All these people. I got, I got hundreds of comments. People saying, "Hang in there, man. I'm with you." Um, let me just say, I feel it. I know it. I, I don't despair because I know you guys got my back. I know you're with me. I, I know you're with us. I know you stand with strong towns and I know you want to see these reforms happen. And I know you want to see us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you. Uh, thanks for that. It, it means a ton. You guys stay strong and uh, I'm going to keep doing what I do. And uh, hopefully I'll have a podcast for you again next week. Um, if you want more information on this, uh, go to the website, strongtowns.org. We've got an article there on the front page today. Uh, you can do a Google search for Strong Down Federal Lawsuit. We also got a, a, 
a, a web page that's got all that, uh, the complaint and all the other information that goes along with it. It's strongtowns.org forward slash support reform. Uh, so if you go to strongtowns.org forward slash support reform, you'll get uh, the complaint and all the correspondence and all the, the documentation that goes along with this. Thanks, everybody. You all take care and keep doing what you can to build a strong town.